Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we're mad at Masahiro Sakurai for recapping all the Smash character reveal videos before we got a chance to. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the news from the week, including some early Kirby sales numbers and the lack of a Kirby timeline. And then on Thursday, we're closing out Kirby Month with Matt Acevedo at, by discussing Kirby and the Forgotten Land. But in the meantime, Mark, how you doing? I can't believe that we're almost at the end of I Kirby Month. I can't believe that we're almost at the end of Kirby I Month. I am glad that we're cramming in as much Kirby as we can because this news episode is chock full of Kirby. Chock full of it. Look, it's we knew what we were doing when we were like, there are going to be five topic episodes all about Kirby, plus all of the news stories in up to the release and just a little bit after the release of Kirby and the Forgotten Land are going to be all about Kirby too. We are up to our eyeballs in Kirby. And if you're short like Kirby... Not that hard to do. It's not that high. It's not really that high. Um, yeah, because his eyeballs probably start... How tall is Kirby? I am going to venture yeah. that Kirby's about... Two feet tall? Two feet tall. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, maybe like 26 inches. <laughs> very, sure? very precise. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Kirby's like 26 inches tall. Uh, hi. Uh, and his eyeballs are like halfway up his Half body? at best. <gasps> maybe even a little lower? Uh, maybe a little lower. So it's Kirby, like a foot off the ground? Uh, Kirby, okay, uh, we've been keeping this running list of pro-cons for right. Kirby's our life partner. Con, he's not going to be able to go on very many roller coasters with you. He, Okay, he is not. However, sometimes he will be able to transform himself into the roller coaster car and go on the ride by himself. So, like, that's pretty cool, right? That's right, that's right. There will just be one train where you know the little air gate will open it but, but the workers will say no nobody get on right and then <laughs> this little one's Kirby, for Kirby. uh-huh it's gonna waddle out do his mouthful, mouthful mode, mode. Yep. Mm -hmm. and as your part as his as Kirby's partner yes you'll just be happy you know that he's getting to experience the roller coaster well and you're on the one right behind him right like you're, <laughs> That's you're right you can you're not together together but I mean what you're not like sharing witticisms during a roller coaster ride right like it's not a point of conversation you talk yeah, about it immediately after you're not gonna be able to get like the fun photo together I'm just saying That's I understand true. that Kirby can have his own roller coaster experience but for me this is a con on my list All right, of well, whether Kirby would make a good life partner or not. Yeah, well, even still, we stand a short king, okay? So, like, that's that's okay. <laughs> um, Mark, if you stand a short king, you can borrow my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch. All you got to do is email us at NintendoCartridgeSociety at gmail.com and give us a mailing address so we can send you my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch. There may, however be a copy of Untitled Goose Game in there. Either way, you play the game for as long as you want. You put it in an envelope. You send it back. I pay for postage both ways. It doesn't cost you anything. Now, Mark, we got uh, a tweet from at uh, Moro Bros uh, saying, Nintendo Cartridge Society, I now own both Sonic Forces and Untitled Goose Game for the Nintendo Switch. It is with great, great sadness that I ask my name to be removed from the Sonic Forces borrowing program. Thank you so much for the opportunity to participate in such a perfect program. Uh, Mora Bros, uh, we don't have to remove your name. Uh, if you, you don't have to play the games when they're sent to you. 
You can do whatever you want with them. Right. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen between now, like this very moment. This and, is not a threat. And when. And this when, is not a threat. Yeah, that's a real. Oh, Mora Bros. That's a really nice copy of Sonic Forces not, and uh, Untitled Goose Games that you have there. It'd be a, a real shame if something Nintendo happened to Nintendo Cartridge it. Society is not issuing <laughs> a threat. Before your name comes up. Theft or burglary of any borrow kind. it from the Sonic Forces Brian program. But all, I think, Patrick, that's a great point. Uh, as a perfect program, of course, Mora Bros. will remove your name if that is what you wish. Um, but congratulations on owning both of these games. Yes, congratulations. Um, but just let us know. Anyone else, though? Up. Anyone yeah. else, though? We've taken care of the Mora Bros. business. But anyone else, if you would like to get on the list, just email us. Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. Gmail. Another thing you can do is you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or where anywhere you get your podcasts, just like BGHHNVGH did. I believe it's pronounced Bogugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugug
If you leave us a review, not on the Apple Podcast Store, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter, send us an email, and we'll give you a shout out that way. Mark, speaking of emails, we've got an email from Xander. Xander is asking a bunch of questions. So I feel like we just got to hit all these questions, uh, one right after the other. Um, a little bit of rapid fire. But if we need to, sl- hey, we need to slow down. We need to slow down. That's okay. Question number one. Have you guys played Sonic Unleashed or Colors before? If so, would you recommend it? I have not. I have not either. I would not recommend playing Sonic Unleashed, though. I only know that game by its bad reputation. Um, and also the Colors uh, like remaster from like last year, um, also not uh, great by reputation. So I kind of wouldn't recommend either. Um, but again, we've not played either. Question number two. Would you guys want either Samus Aran, Captain Falcon, Fox McCloud, or Cloud Strife in Mario Kart? If I had to choose one, Yes. I would say Cloud Strife, so that way I feel no compulsion to play Chocobo GP. Right, and pay for the season pass there. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I will even... I'm going to go ahead and reject the premise of the question. I don't want any of these characters. I do not want Mario Kart to become Smash Kart. Um, I think it's fun that the Animal Crossing characters and the Splatoon characters are and Link are in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, but I don't I don't I don't need it. I, I don't need it to be all of Nintendo. Uh, question number three. If you could make a Kirby game, what would it be? I think it'd be funny if Kirby was a detective in like a detective Pikachu kind of vein, but no yeah. talking. I don't need I don't need Kirby to talk. Do other do people talk to Kirby? Or is it a silent detective game? Hmm. <laughs> Or is he teaming up with, like, Poirot or someone? Yeah, maybe he's teaming up with the famous detective. Yeah, I like that. Like the Agatha Christie Kirby mysteries. Yes. Um, Kirby's block ball, too, for me. Uh, Question number four. If you could bring one indie game character into Smash, other than Shovel Knight, who would it be? Uh, Xander gives his answer, but Mark, uh, do you have an answer? I would choose the unnamed protagonist from Golf Story, because I think it's about time that somebody in Smash Brothers could use a golf club as a weapon. Uh, does, does really no one use... Oh, you're just trying to uh, scoop Waluigi? Is that what's happening? Yeah, that's right. Um, Xander's answer is is my answer. He says, I would want Zagreus, the protagonist from Hades. He would be perfect for the game. He has lots of optional moves. His stage would, uh, would be constantly changing due to the roguelike nature of his game. Uh, this is great. This is a, a, a perfect answer. Hades, uh, a game that I poured like 200 hours into. I would love to be able to play that character in Smash Brothers. Um, question number five. What are you going to do for Kirby's 25th anniversary? Might I suggest making playlists of Kirby songs and talking about them on the pod? Uh, Xander, this this is what we're doing. Kirby month is what we're doing. <laughs> it's also the 30th anniversary of, of Kirby and not, not 25th. Uh, Mark, do you think we should do something else for Kirby's anniversary? Or are we doing it right now? I feel like we're doing it. I feel like we're doing it. But also, Kirby month has definitely you know done something to my mind. So in a few weeks... In a few months, when we're not talking about Kirby regularly, I might be like jonesing for it. Boy, that is a great And point. we might need to do something else Kirby just because. Uh, I mean, look, we're going on another podcast tomorrow to talk about Kirby. So our whole week is kind of talking about Kirby. Um, so maybe we will get to a point where I'm like, oh, man, I, I need it. I need a fix of talking about this little pink puffball. Uh, but Mark, I'll tell you what, I'm not there yet. <laughs> no, never say never. <laughs> no, and I, and I did not. Mark, let's get into the games we've been playing this week. And 
And the game we've both been playing is Kirby and the Forgotten Land. Um, but we're talking about, we're doing a whole episode about it uh, on Thursday. So Mark, just in the meantime, what do we want to give like some kind of like impressions or what, what, what do you think you want to say about Kirby and the Forgotten Land now? Yeah, I don't know. I am pretty far into it. I actually think I'm like towards the end of the game. Yeah. Um, and I am really enjoying it. I am really enjoying it as well. Uh, I It's amazing to me how much I get out of um, leveling up the copy abilities. Uh, it finally feels like the Kirby copy abilities are like my arsenal of weapons that I get to use as I see fit, uh, that I get to change as I see fit. Um, feels really good. I feel like I have ownership over the way the game is played. Yeah, I, I just feel like there's a lot of smart... And unexpected decisions in Kirby and the Forgotten Land. Um, I, I, I hesitate to even say anything else about it. Yeah, uh, let's save it for Thursday. Let's it's save gonna it be for a good Thursday. Discussion. We're gonna we're gonna save it. It's gonna be a great time. Um, Mark, have you been playing anything else this week? No, it's been all Kirby and the Forgotten Land all the time. Uh, that has been the same for me. Mark, let's close this out and get into the new releases. <laughs> Here's something I don't have anything to say about anything about. Uh, right. The new releases next week seem kind of there's nothing in here I'm interested in at all. Right. Even Should we just uh, run off a couple of them, even though we don't necessarily know what they are? Sure. Let's pick two from each day. So we each get one to, to announce from each day. All right. So today, March 29th, uh, WRC 10 is released on Switch. Also on Tuesday, March 29th, Vengeful Heart. And then on Wednesday, March 30th, Agent Intercept. And of course, uh, Katie and Meow Meow Land. On Thursday, March 31st, Marble Maid is released. And Red Wings, American Aces. And then on Friday, April 1st, Terror Bane. And Flat Kingdom Papers Cut Edition. Uh, Mark, we're so close to uh, Lego Star Wars. We're so close to... Um, the uh, Chrono Cross uh, Radical Dreamers Edition. Um, I got a little email from uh, Nintendo because I had uh, the uh, Chrono Cross pre-ordered, being like, "We're gonna charge a card soon." I'm like, "Yes!" Yeah, that means you're like, "We're just a little over a week away." Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it is not this week. We will talk about them again next week. Uh, I'm very excited for both of those games to come out. Um, Switch Sports is also April. Oh my gosh! Yes. Uh, so. Well, this month, maybe, well, this week is a little on the quiet side. I think it's okay. We just had Kirby, and we got a lot more coming. Um, all right, Mark, let's close this segment out. Which brings us to a regular segment on our show. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, where a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for four minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So for the duration of one, one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Mark, you have proposed today's topic. What are we talking about? We're going to be talking about learning to play a musical instrument. And the reason I was thinking about this, Patrick, is you play um, the upright bass. Yes. Which is that you went to... Uh, a, went to a conservatory. A conservatory. Yes. Mm -hmm. And is that what you played 
at yes. the conservatory? Is that like what you studied is upright bass? Yeah, that's I had uh, lessons and bass studio and played in orchestras and stuff. Yeah. Was that your first instrument? Because you can also play the piano. Right. And so like what? So how as somebody who I took piano lessons when I was like six um but did not like pursue it you cannot play a musical instrument today except the old hand bone um <laughs> what i bet you can play a mean <laughs> pair of spoons too <laughs> what is wh- which did you learn first or like you right like do those skills translate where it's like oh once like i learned the upright bass or once i learned the piano it was kind of like easy to learn the other because it's all just reading notes or like how does that work how does your mind work okay <laughs> whoa <laughs> the question took a weird uh, left turn there at the end um i started playing in fourth grade um and i started playing on the cello which i played for two years um and then uh because i was tall and a boy they were like why don't you move over to the bass it's a big instrument um, and so my friend Jeff and I, who were uh, taking cello together, both got moved on to bass. How can can I stop yeah. real quick there? How did you get started on cello? Uh, th- it was a thing where they were bringing the orchestra uh, instruments around to like elementary schools um, for you know like a half an hour at the end of the day, one day, and being like, try these instruments. Do you like any of them? Uh, and I couldn't. I w- have no idea why. I was like, the cello. I'll play the cello. Um, but I, I think I knew I wanted to play an instrument, um, despite the fact that neither my older sister nor my parents are musically inclined really in any way at all. Um, we did not grow up with music in the house, really. Um, but I I liked it. And the the orchestra instruments came around before the band instruments. So like I was going to play violin, viola or cello. Uh, and again, I think it was a, a matter of like I was big. And so they just put me behind a cello and I was like, I like this. And so was the is did the skills from the cello to the upright bass like translate because to my untrained eye yeah. they look very similar they're very similar but they play like really different roles in ensembles and the solo repertoire is totally different um you know there's no uh by, by playing bass in junior high school i was immediately put in jazz band right like that never would have happened if i stayed with uh with with cello um and so this is where I can start to answer your question a little bit about piano. I never took a piano lesson in my life, um, but you know I always had uh, bass teachers, and you know was learning uh, that uh, in a very like studious, specific to the instrument kind of way. Um, but when I started uh, to study jazz, and then when I got into college and I was doing like music theory stuff, um, that's when I needed to just like have the entire harmonic layout of a piece of music at my fingertips and so i taught myself piano from that oh interesting so is that why like a lot of like compositions you know like film scores and stuff yeah are worked at the piano before they're orchestrated yeah well because then you've got you've got all of it right like um when when you're playing bass you essentially have access to one line one melodic line possible uh, at a given time and you can't really there's some like uh, they're called double stops when you play two strings at the same time to get two different notes uh, and like sort of approximate a chord Um, but you can actually play a full chord and then play a melody on top of it on the piano by yourself you have obviously not the full like range of timbres that an orchestra does but you have the ability to replicate either what a band or an orchestra does that makes that makes a lot of sense and mostly i was playing piano so i could write pop songs uh for the group i was in 
in college called Dennis. Uh, we were like, uh, if Ben Folds Five had a string quartet with them all the time. Um, uh, and then I continued to write songs on the piano for the lost band that I was in in high school, um, or in uh, uh, after after college. Um, we only played and uh, we only wrote and performed songs about the TV show Lost. We're called Sonic Weapon Fence. We're on Spotify. You can look us up. Um, and we're good. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, even though we would then translate those to like guitar and bass, uh, sometimes piano, I wrote them all on piano. Uh, we were accompanied. Mark, uh, th thank you for letting me talk about my experience learning to play musical instruments. Did you play an instrument? I mean, when ever? I was like six, I had nothing to add. That was way more. <laughs> that was way better. <laughs> Uh, well, we were accompanied today by pianist Kyle Shaw. All right, Mark, let's get into the news. As you may have heard, Kirby and the Forgotten Land released just last Friday, so we'll have to wait a little bit uh, to see exactly where it stacks up against Nintendo's list of best-selling Switch games. But reporting from GameIndustry.biz's Christopher Drink suggests it's on a promising path, at least in the UK. Uh, Drink reports that K and TFL had... Uh, That's Kirby and the Forgotten Land. <laughs> you got so good at reading uh, the of username of, yes. <laughs> of the uh, the five-star review that we uh, left behind that you can just pick up. How do you do that? How, how did I How did I not... How did I not recognize the acronym that everybody is referring to Kirby and the Forgotten Land by? I, is anyone using that acronym? <laughs> K ampersand TFL had the <laughs> biggest Kirby launch ever in the UK by a, quote, big margin. Already, it's the fifth best-selling Kirby game in the UK after just one weekend in stores. And it was the best-selling physical game in the UK last week, full stop, beating out the also-new Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, which is the new Borderlands spinoff. Which also, you know, had a pretty successful launch. So, like, all of which is just to say that uh, Kirby is selling pretty well. Yeah. And while that is impressive, it is important to note that Metroid Dread managed to outsell Kirby in its opening weekend, both retail only. So, it'll just be interesting to see where things land with Kirby. And Metroid, not famously a, uh, a great seller. But maybe front-loaded. Yeah, yes. Well, I think definitely. I think there's uh, more of a... Uh, fervent maniac attachment to uh, Metroid and less so to Kirby, right? Like I think Kirby is the kind of game that like people will get around to when they're ready to. Um, and the Metroid people are just going to want that Metroid game right away. Speaking of Kirby, if you were worried that the Kirby series... Speaking of Kirby. <laughs> something we rarely do on this show <laughs> recently. If you were worried that the Kirby series is due for like a timeline reckoning in the vein of the much vaunted maybe dreaded Zelda timeline. How Laboratory General Director Shinya Kumazaki is here to soothe those fears. In an interview with the Washington Post, Kumazaki says, quote, there is no clear timeline for the game stories. This is to avoid being constrained by past settings and so that we can easily take on new challenges and prioritize the optimal gameplay experience for each installment, even in a series with a long history. However, we can't progress the story much if we have Kirby meet King DDD for the first time in the opening of each game, so new installments inherit story elements that can be naturally accepted and easily understood by the players. For example, we use story elements that are effective at making each new game better, such as when the character Magalore repented his past actions and moved to Dreamland, 
or when Meta Knight got his revenge on Kirby. Uh, truly, who could forget these pivotal story moments? I think wh- really what, what we're learning here is the story in Kirby doesn't, doesn't matter. <laughs> no. As much as we all cried when Magalore repented his past actions <laughs> who, and moved to Dreamland. Look, you and I have uh, b- dedicated the entire month to playing Kirby games. We've played a lot of them. Who's <laughs> who's Magalore? Of course, Magalore would be one of the characters in one of the Kirby games we have not played. My guess, I'm going to guess, and then I'm going to look it up, uh, is that he is, that Magalore is the bad guy from Star Allies. Okay. But I'm looking it up. All right. While you're looking it up, I'll continue what Kumazaki said. Uh, I also pay attention to the details when writing the text for the story. This is because if future installments are going to inherit these story elements, we need to first prepare detailed settings for each installment. However, the main focus of the Kirby series is action and gameplay, so we prepare the settings required to make those elements more appealing in each game. I like the uh, the part at the very beginning where they say that there's no clear timeline for the series, but they can't progress the story much if, you know, Kirby meets King DDD all the time. And I've got to say, Batman, take Batman, a lesson from Batman, this. Batman, take a note. Yeah. We don't need pearls in an alley. We got. Did move- you see the new Batman? I movie? haven't seen the new Batman yeah, yet. Yeah, me neither. But so- I just feel like we got to move on. We have got... To get Robin in here sometime. We have to get, look, we have to get Robin. We have to get Talia al Ghul, which I know that uh, the Dark Knight Rises did. Um, but we need Damian Wayne. And then we need Bruce Wayne to die so that Dick Grayson as Batman and Damian Wayne as Robin can be dick bats together. <laughs> yeah. They're the best. We just need some growth from Bruce we Wayne is all I'm saying. We just need growth from Bruce Wayne. Um yeah, it turns out Magalore has been in the series since uh, Kirby's Return to Dreamland. Uh, so he's been in one, two, three. He's been in like a bunch of these games. Evidently, he's in Planet Robobot. Huh. A game that we discussed not that long ago. Maybe I don't. Well, I don't know who Magalore is. So maybe if Magalore did show up in Planet Robobot, I would have no idea. Boy, that's a great point. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is my preference for a game like this, where they're just like, no, there's no, there's no timeline. Right. Like, what would be a fun, cute place to put Kirby into an adventure yeah and like you know it's it's like Mickey Mouse right like uh they're not gonna explain Mickey meeting Pete or whatever uh he's just there and like he's the bad guy and you deal with it or they're working together now and that's fine too also if you've been playing Kirby in the Forgotten Land and are a little confused about what the heck Waddle Deliveries present codes are present codes present codes yeah and where they come from we have some answers. Or maybe some questions, too. So mostly these are promotional passwords that reward Kirby in coins, the rare stones, or power-ups that these codes are, like, appearing on websites and social media. So Nintendo has been, like, tweeting them out and stuff. Yeah. So um, if we're just going to uh, speak a, a couple of these so you can enter them. And they're all all caps, no spaces. Um, you can enter mouthful mode to get a bunch of coins and a, uh, a car mouth cake. You can enter Kirby Microsite for a bunch of coins and then an attack boost. Uh, Brawling Coliseum, remember Coliseum has one L and two S's, um, gets you even more coins and an attack boost. Clear Demo is just straight up star coins. Uh, First Password is the one that the uh, Waddle Dee in the game gives you, so uh, there's one. Kirby Story gets you 300 coins. Kirby the Gourmet is a good one, gets you a rare stone and a car mouth cake. 
Uh, new Adventure gives you uh, 300 star coins and a rare stone. And then Thank You Meta Knight gives you three rare stones. Uh, which is good because the rare stones... Not I, I've never reached a point in the game where I'm like fighting against the economy of the game. But there was one time I tried to upgrade something and they were like, you don't have enough rare stones. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, just getting three extra ones would, would be good. Uh, this is a weird inclusion in the game, Mark. Don't, uh, how, how do you feel about this? Um, I th- The way that they're distributing them, I think, is interesting. Yeah. Where some of them are limited time, some of them are permanent, but that they're mostly just, you know, being tweeted out. It's not like there's a persistent source of it. And so I, there are obviously permanent ones, which I think are good because uh, someday these are just going to disappear. Do you know what I mean? It's just be yeah. like an element of the game that... Um, you have to look up online or search back through their tweets. You know what I mean? It's just yeah, kind of yeah, like yeah, yeah. a weird, an interesting path to pursue. It, it, it's uh, it's also the kind of thing that makes me wonder, like, what? why are they doing it this way, though? Because it's like, why drive you, when you've already bought the game and are already playing the game, why drive you to the website for the game? Like, right. I, I understand... Uh, they'll normally do these uh, things where you can like go to the website and find the like five hidden Goombas or whatever um, and get platinum points uh, to use at, uh, with your My Nintendo account. I get that because you're uh, opting in from outside the game. But if you are playing Kirby and the Forgotten Land, you've already bought the game. Like what, what more can they advertise to you about Kirby? Maybe in the future they'll use it to distribute other things. I don't know exactly what. Yeah, I, I don't really know either. Yeah. It's, it seems like what it should really be is just like every day or every couple days, there just like is a new thing. They just like push an update to everyone and like, here, you've got this little reward. I also think I did not like really discover it the way that you're supposed to. Because, mm. you know, when you go to the store for the first time, they, you know, you're encouraged to like investigate the walls around Waddle D Town and find the codes. But I didn't do that because I already I had already seen articles and tweets about like here are all the codes. Oh, interesting. So I was like, oh, this is where I enter the codes. And then I went online, found an article that listed all of them and was just like enter I just entered them. I didn't know investigation or no like I didn't engage with the gameplay element of it of it at all. Well, and th- it's only one place where you look and you get first password. Oh, I there thought aren't for others. Some re- oh, I thought for some reason that there were like a couple of others in Waddle D Town. Honestly, that could you you saying that makes me now doubt myself. I only found the one because um, I think he just said like go uh, look over there, read on like the wall of your house, and yeah. you'll, you'll see it. Um, yeah, all felt like a little bit strange, and then I was kind of bummed out to find out that they were all like I, I wanted. I wanted there to be like things you could put in Kirby's house, which is part of the game that I feel like is is kind of lacking more than I would like it to like. You can put some things on your mantle place and uh, you get some photographs put what on the wall. What can you put on the mantle place? Of the action figures that you collect. Oh. You can put three of them up there. Do you know what I think is so weird? Hmm. And I know we're going to talk about Kirby in the front. We're going to talk about on it. On Thursday. Yes. Is in Kirby's house, you know, there's a book and you can look at the book for, and it shows you some of Kirby's past adventures, but not all of them. Oh, not even close. It only shows you the games that are on switch wii u and 3ds and not even the ones that are a part of like nintendo switch online which i think is so yeah i mean honestly like why are they leaving off kirby superstar why are they leaving off kirby's dreamland yeah it's why are they leaving off kirby's block ball i mean why include 3ds games on there at all at this point yeah it doesn't make any sense if your goal is just to 
have the Kirby games that people can buy. I don't know. That part of it felt like weird. Yeah, it felt really weird. And it's also like just looking at the Kirby games that are available on Switch. There's like, ah, here's Kirby Star Allies. That's a real game. And then it's like Kirby's Brawl nonsense. And the other, like, it's it's one real game and like two kind of bogus games where it's like, all right, we're not we're not actually putting our best foot forward here. But Kirby's house does have a little bed. He does have a little bed. Kirby can snuggle in and sleep. Oh, and my God. That, those are some cute little vignettes. Yeah. No, I look. Anytime it forces me back to Waddle D Town, I will take Kirby home and put him in bed. <laughs> oh, man. I like it when Kirby sleeps. It's cute. Um, I think it's good. Uh, but there's no, none of these codes will make Kirby sleep. No. Or make him sleep any cuter. We've talked about the odd naming convention of Square Enix's recent games on Switch, and the reporters at Inverse evidently had some of the same questions because the subject was broached in an interview with Square Enix producer Toyama Asano, and he had the following insight. Quote, we usually put a lot of thought into determining the game's titles. One of the things that we make sure that we think about is if the player can imagine what kind of game it is based on the title. When you look at triangle strategy, a triangle is three angles and then strategy. So it's a strategy <laughs> game that you play from three angles. Octopath Traveler is also named kind of from that perspective. Octo is the eight paths that you're traveling. Patrick Sidebar, I yeah. don't think anything I don't think anybody was confused by either of those titles. No. Those aren't the ones that were like, that's crazy. Well, it is a little bit though, because like there is the, uh, obviously what he's talking about here doesn't play into your you know uh um like dream drop distance kingdom hearts remind mm-hmm. yeah all, all of that stuff where like you really got to do some like gymnastics we to both even, went like, for kingdom hearts we both well i mean it's a little hanging fruit and it's hard to think of examples on the fly <laughs> um but i there is something so specific about the naming conventions of octopath traveler and triangle strategy where they're like obvious and inscrutable at the same time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's right. It does explain like two parts of the game, but like if you just say triangle strategy to someone, you have not conjured a setting in your head, right? You're like, oh, it's a it's a strategy game, and there's going to be some three component. It to sounds it. like a trap card in Magic: The Gathering. <laughs> it does. I play triangle strategy on your prodigal sorcerer. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It's a uh, it's. I mean, I, I want to keep re- reading the quote, but like, it, it is this is a specific brand of yeah. weird naming. Totally, no. This is about. this next part is my favorite part of the quote. Yes. Uh, and so Asano continues. We wanted to see what the reactions would be like behind Project Triangle Strategy. So having Project at the start of the name would give us a little bit of room to be able to change the name, but it ended up resonating with the audience. So we thought we'd keep the Triangle Strategy name. End quote, which I love so much because they're like hedging their bets. They're like, if people don't take to triangle strategy, we can just say this was a code name and reveal the new name. I just want to know where are they getting like, what's the focus group where they're like, uh, so we're calling this one Project Triangle Strategy. And people are like, oh, that's cool. Like, where where's that room? I think it's where- Twitter. But it, but I don't think that's what Twitter says. I don't think Twitter is like, oh, yeah, Triangle Strategy. That sounds like a dope <laughs> game name. I think mostly people are just responding positively to uh, early views of these games, right? Like mm. er, the early impressions uh, that like, oh, yeah, you want to see a new tactics game. You see it's in the HD 2D and you're like, I don't care what it's called. I'm not going to understand it anyway. Like, I think that's what people are responding to. And they're like, hey, people like Triangle Strategy. I'm trying to think of uh, how I can work this into my, like, career. Mm -hmm. It's like, can I send emails? 
start meetings with like project in the title so that way if oh yeah if i need to pivot right you can be like look this isn't actually what it's called this is something else uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um last week we talked about the nintendo wii and dsi shop channels being offline without any update from nintendo so you tried to log on there was an error code and everybody has been wondering does this is this the end of the nintendo wii and Nintendo DSi shop channels. Which just as a as a little refresh, um, these are uh, services where you could no longer purchase anything new, where you could no longer put any money on there anymore. It's simply all about uh, re-downloading things you have already purchased. And so at the time, Nintendo hadn't commented on at all. They just were saying nothing. But later in the week, Kotaku received a statement from a Nintendo spokesperson that says... Quote, the Wii Shop channel and DSi and Nintendo DSi Shop are currently undergoing maintenance. We'll provide an update at a later date. Okay. So all of which is just to say that they were doing something to it. I so here's my conspiracy mm. theory. All right. I let's think put on the tinfoil hat. I, I go out to the shed <laughs> where we've never brought a, a phone in there at all. Uh-huh. So no one can hear what we're talking about. That's right. right. And into the void, I whisper, I wonder if it's a security issue. I wonder huh. if, like, because that has to be old code. Yes. And so I wonder if there's some sort of, like, vulnerability or something that they discovered. And they're like, oh, just shut it down. Like, pull the plug. Because, yeah. it again, it's super old code. So are you going to spend the time to update it? Can you even update that old code at this point? Right. I, so I, I so, uh the weird way that this has gone down and the fact that the spokesperson, all they say is like, it's undergoing maintenance that came out of nowhere and yeah. they'll provide an update at a later date just has me, uh, this is based on no, no information. information. This is complete speculation, but I wonder if it's some sort of security vulnerability. Uh, that's interesting. Is there any, would there be any per, uh, personal information uh, associated with the Wii or DSi Shop channels anymore? Who knows? But maybe it's like a way into Nintendo's network, or at least that mm, aspect. That's of a good Nintendo's. point. You know what I mean? Well, especially because, uh, like, you could uh, marry the um, Wii U and Wii accounts, uh, so that like it would know that you had already purchased uh, a, a virtual console game, and like you know, let you purchase it for like a dollar or two on the new platform. So it must be tied to that in some way which still could have credit card information, which still could have email addresses. There's still obviously a password that you used once upon a time. So, okay, I guess I, I guess that's fair. It could be a security risk there. It could also have just broken. Right. And they're like, wow, this is super old code. Um, is it worth it to fix? And everybody's just at this moment like looking at each other and no decision has been made. Right, right, right. So they, they say it's undergoing maintenance, but perhaps they're like, just looking around to see like how many people are complaining about this. Is it so few people that we can just not rebuild it? Yeah. Can we just like wait a few weeks and then just quietly say, Hey, these things are dead. We will doggedly stay on this story and bring you updates as they come in. Nintendo has one thing they have done is they've published a look back with Masahiro Sakurai at the fighter reveals for super smash brothers for Wii U and 3ds. Okay. Now look, we dropped the ball on this one because we really should have done this before Masahiro Sakurai. Oh, man. It's such a good episode topic idea. Yeah, yeah. Like ranking the uh, reveal videos. Yeah. Is, let me ask you this, is Masahiro Sakurai a better Nintendo Cartridge Society host than you and I put together? <laughs> Possibly. 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 We may just have to. 
I don't think we're going to live that down. I don't. Oh, man. This is an embarrassment. But uh, it's a really fun retrospective. So you should go check it out. It's long, so we're not going to go over it in detail here. But he talks about the development of the game, the reveal video specifically, and like some details on the fighters themselves. So we'll link it to the article in the show notes. Um, and I think so. He's talking about Wii U and 3DS, but it seemed like they're eventually going to lead up to Ultimate as well. Oh, okay. So that would be fun. Um, yeah, it's it's cool. His, his insights aren't, um, you know, they're short, right? It's like a paragraph for each video. Um, and it's largely about like how those videos came to be and that means a lot of like he's naming their partners that they work with so like animation studios and stuff like that um and it's uh it's wild to think about how many different developers and producers of like content of one form or another go into making these uh videos that like then they push out and they're like this is all part of like smash um but yeah it's just like it's huge it takes a village and then some to make this game. Yeah, and I'd never really considered that. It makes now it makes total sense that they would use outside companies to develop these to like create these videos and animate these videos. Yeah. But the fact that they do work with outside companies and these the name of the fighters never ever leak. Yeah. Is super impressive. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I I totally agree. And yeah, especially with just like how everything else leaks and like Smash stuff doesn't. Uh it, it's also really cool um and made me sort of like wistful for the previous generation of, of smash reveals um, because uh, so in in this in this article all of the videos are embedded so you can you know watch them sort of as you're reading along um, which is great whoever put that together like good job it's all it's all very like fluid and, and easy um, but you know I, I was watching uh, through some of them and like there's the uh, little Mac reveal there's the Palutena reveal that are both like done in different styles like the little Mac one is sort of a uh, comic book inspired, um, like very minimal animation. Um, and the uh, Palutena one is just like straight up an anime fight between Pit and Link. Um, and so like all of this stuff, it's just like, and then of course it pops into gameplay. Uh, but it's so cool to see them like really using different visual styles. Um, and I think we don't, we didn't get that quite as much this last generation. Like, yeah, the Persona, uh, the Joker reveal like looked like Persona. But like in some ways, that's still just like, you know, looks like those, the you know the, the characters as they appear in Smash. Um, I guess the uh, the King of Fighters one, the the Terry Bogart, they used a lot of like pixel art in that um, to look like a a uh, Neo Geo King of Fighters game. Um, but just it's 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 neat to see the different like production techniques and like animation techniques in all these videos and to have him point out like oh yeah we did this with these people because we had a relationship with them for whatever yeah i th i think it's fun it was it was fun for me to like read back through this retrospective because with ultimate you just kind of take for granted that all of these characters you know from the 3DS and Wii U version there's a day that were, mega man was new were in there yeah. but also like um just how special and unique each of these Smash Brother generations have been because it made me thinking about like the dojo from Super Smash Brothers Brawl, yeah. where every day leading up to the release, they inter they like talked about something new in the game, uh, which was just like a really cool, fun time. Yeah, I mean, there, there's there's so much that like 
Nintendo like sort of drops the ball on in like hyping up their stuff or in like marketing where you're just like, why is this happening this way? Uh, but never with Smash. Smash, they always uh, are like just doling out like here are new pieces of information and it's just like a steady like that's something that we could talk about every week uh, on, on this show. Um, and it's weird now that there isn't that there's no more of it. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. It'll, it'll be interesting to see when that like comes back. And finally, while you're getting that new Nintendo Switch system update mm, to add smell that new system Switch, update, be sure to download the new controller update. These Ooh. mysterious controller updates. It's something you need to mysterious. do manually. Uh, go to like controllers and sensors and then update controllers. I still don't think anybody has any. Well, I'm sure somebody at Nintendo knows what these do, but they haven't deigned to tell us. Right. Uh, it is unclear to the layman what a controller update has done. Have you updated your controllers uh, recently? I have not updated my controllers with this latest update. Um, I have not. I have not done the, the latest update either. It's a little weird that you have to like opt into it. They have to say update my controllers. Right. I, that's why it's all so mysterious. It's like why not? Why not force it on? Like why not make it just part of the? Yeah, but then system update. But I guess you can update your system without having your Joy-Con on and connected yeah i guess yeah. that's true but I if you have like well, i've got two joy con that basically live on the side of that that switch if i turn it on and it's connected why why isn't it just like reading the firmware on on them and being like uh oh you need to be updated right and what if you never update your controllers yeah doesn't seem like you have to update. and do pro controllers get updates or is it purely yeah, they, they do too yeah interesting yeah so do you have to connect all of them at the same time no. Do you, you connect them separately? You, you do them separately, yeah. Mm. I mean, and like the, the when you do it, it says like checking. So like it checks the controller to see. Right. And then it's like, oh, you're not up. To, here's here's the update. Somebody's got to let us know what these controller updates do. That, we just got to know. Like, do they make you go faster? Are the buttons springier? <laughs> what could a controller update even be? Yeah. Maybe like... Preparing HD rumble for, like, Super HD rumble. You're going to be mm. able to tell if there's, like, 10 ice cubes in that glass. Wow. Or, like, it, it, there, there are 10 ice cubes, and you can tell that, like, three of them are a little bit bigger. You're going to be able to te tell, like, the viscosity of the liquid that the ice cubes are in. Sure. Yes. I mean, what a great point. Are you sloshing around in, in a glass of milk? Or is that vodka? Like, what is it? Getting what's, ready for a one, two, three switch. What's uh, what's thicker, milk or vodka? Milk. All right, Mark. Let's get out of the news. Ooh, I hope that's right. Because <laughs> you said you you deadpanned With it. Such yeah, yeah yeah. Um, I don't have any vodka in the house. Otherwise, we we could we could test. How would we even know? How would we compare? What tool do you use to measure viscosity of liquids? It's probably milk. That's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get podcasts. If you liked this episode, please share it on Facebook or Twitter or in a sharing location of your choosing. A platform that you use to share, share us there. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by 8BitBetty. You can get more of his music by going to 8BitBetty.com or by listening right now. 
For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying thank you for listening. I'm Brian Husky. I'm bald. And I'm Charlie Sanders, and I'm also bald. And we host Bald Talk on the Campfire Media Network. Bald Talk is the podcast where two bald comedians talk to anyone bald about being bald. But this show isn't just for baldies, Brian. Harrows will love it, too. Bald Talk gets into vulnerability, vanity, insecurity, and self-acceptance, reminding us that we all have our respective bald spots. Not that bald spots are a bad thing. No way. I mean, my entire head is one big bald spot. It is one huge, beautiful bald spot, Charlie. Get Bald Talk on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, I I have like a little bit of hair, but not like you. Like you're really bald. I'm truly bald. Great. I mean, it's I'm great. balder than it. you. You are balder than me. Only on Bald Talk. Campfire. <laughs>